This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. It's time for Cover 2 Broncos. Just a couple dudes breaking down scheme, film, and the numbers. Now, your hosts, Joe Rowles. Welcome back to another episode of Cover 2 Broncos. I am Joe Rowles, and I am joined today by my best friend, Jeff Olson, who writes for Tampa Bay Clutch. We are here to talk draft and free agency and the foosball thanks for coming back man yeah my pleasure always happy to join you and talk some ball so the last since the last time i talked to you the buccaneers actually won a super bowl um congrats <laughs> on that thank you it's been 18 years in the making long long wait yeah i can't imagine waiting that long oh gosh i hope i don't have to wait that long but <laughs> Yeah, trust me. Don't take it for granted. Last no. time we won a Super Bowl, we had everyone coming back. It thought it was going to be a regular thing, and then here we are, eighteen years later, winning our first playoff game. And that's yeah, and that's one of those things. Like, I think a lot of Broncos fans, and again, I don't feel like I'm part of this, but like, I feel like a lot of Broncos fans really caught on during the Peyton years 
So they take for granted how hard it is to actually be a Super Bowl team like year after year like that. Um, and then obviously the last five years it's been garbage. So or not garbage, but it's been bad. So, but yeah, yeah. Just, go ahead. I was gonna say you and I are painfully aware of it, having grown up in Michigan. I mean, when's the last time the Lions won a playoff game? Oh, it's been a while. I'm pretty sure it's like '97. Yeah, because it, it's it's, it's like them making the playoffs is a big deal, and I I still remember they got robbed by Dallas, so or robbed by the refs in Dallas. And that was their one real shot at winning one in my lifetime. Yep, and that's that's the the I think the next week was the week the no catch game for uh, Dez, but I, yep. I still think that Dallas kind of got a lot of help to get to that point anyway, which is a whole it's a whole thing. But no, <laughs> uh, let's talk free agency quick. Like you you obviously write about the Bucks. Like what do you think of their free agency? They kind of brought everybody back. Yeah, they've done a really great job with the cap, adding Levante David for I think it's like a three million dollar cap hit this year manipulating with voidable years. So he's going to be getting paid for like the next five years, even though we're only going to have him for two or three. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Sue coming back. Shaq Barrett was coming back. I didn't think we'd be able to get David, Shaq, and Chris Godwin all back under contract because they were all getting paid this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it, it definitely looks been, like kind of like uh, Mickey Loomis cap manipulation for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Bucks have a cap specialist where all he does is works the cap, works the numbers. He's been great even when the Bucks have been terrible. He's a wizard. And this is his greatest performance. And, I mean, again, the, I feel like we're at this point where we're long past this point, honestly, of, like, so long as Brady doesn't lose the battle with Father Time, you guys should be pretty good. And even if he does, I mean, the team around him is so good. The front yeah. seven might be the best in football. The secondary is still young and developing, and we saw what they can do last year. The wide receiver core is excellent. The offensive line is fantastic. Running back is pretty solid. I expect them to add another one in the draft. I mean, we saw Blaine Gabbert come in and pick teams apart last year, so I think it's a playoff team even if Brady does take a little step back. Uh, what do you expect them to do in the draft? I guess just since, since we're talking bucks, let's talk there because I actually just looked at the, I looked at every single NFL team to see which teams look most likely to chase a quarterback and which teams might be willing to trade back. I don't think the Buccaneers are chasing quarterback. You mentioned running back. What looks like their biggest needs. And then I think we'll pivot from there to like other teams. And then the Broncos. I think it's going to be on the defensive side of the ball is where they go if they don't go running back, which I think will be high on their priority list, getting a guy who can catch the ball. Ronald Jones is entering his last year. They probably won't re-sign him because he doesn't really bring anything as a pass catcher. So I think they'll be looking at someone like Najee Harris or Travis Etienne, someone who can be that dual threat option on the backfield. But I think more than anything, they need to look at defensive tackle and they need to look at edge rusher. Because Indominus Sue is getting pretty close to retirement. Mm-hmm. Jason Pierre Paul, he's getting up there towards those mid 30s. Mm-hmm. And there's no kind of plan in place for after they leave. So this would be a great year to get that kind of developmental pass rusher, maybe a Ronnie Perkins type, maybe a Joseph Osai. Jason Owe? 
he oof, that pro day today. Did you see those yeah. numbers? Oh yeah, I saw it. I don't know if he's gonna be there at 32 anymore, but he ran a sub four four forty. He's running faster than most receivers. Let's move him to safety, move him to corner. He can do it all. Except for sack the quarterback, apparently. Yep. Seven seven sacks in his career. Uh, I know a lot of like the analytical guys I've talked to aren't as worried about it because his pressure numbers are pretty okay. Um, I want to say, and I don't have the number in front of me, but I want to say he has 56 over his career. And I think he had 24 last year. So he's getting the quarterback. He's just not getting like hitting the quarterback, knocking him down early. But yeah. And I haven't done a deep dive in on his film yet, but when you got those kind of athletic tools, you got something mm-hmm. Especially I, in a situation where you don't have to start right away and you can get a little bit of coaching, develop a little, come along slowly. Tampa Bay might be a really good fit for him. Well, and sitting behind Shaq Barrett, I think would really help him with the one thing that like I've, I've watched, I don't have a lot of his film. I have two of his games and I've watched both of them. The thing that stands out to me. And again, in two games, like I, I, I have two games and then I've tried to supplement that with a lot of draft reports that I've read from all sorts of different sources that I trust his hands are like the thing that it seems like he needs the most work on. Um, he has the tools. He has the, the speed. The burst is really freaky. He's a pretty decent run defender, both setting the edge and chasing things down. So effort isn't really a big issue. The big issue for him is just that he doesn't really have a pass rush repertoire and he doesn't really know what to do with his hands. And that's how Shaq wins. Like that's how Shaq's won his entire time in the NFL because Shaq actually isn't like an, an insane athlete for an edge. So those two together could be really good. Yeah, and I think when you're that kind of build, because I correct me if I'm wrong, I think they're a similar size. Mm-hmm. Maybe not an athletic profile, because I don't think anyone's a similar athletic profile to what just tested. But in terms of size, you know, 6'2", 250-ish, you know, it's a little bit on the smaller side, the outside linebacker. You know, he can really paint that picture of what you need to do to be successful, and with those kind of tools, even more successful than what Jack's been. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, again, If I think if he's there at 32, he'd make a lot of sense for you guys, for sure. Um, I like Joseph Asai quite a bit. I think we talked about him once before. I really like his effort. Um, I think I don't think he's going to have the same type of athletic profile OA does, because I don't think anybody's probably going to have that athletic profile. But Asai's another speed rusher, wide nine kind of guy who can run things down. The thing I really like about Asai is the fact that before he played on the edge, he was actually an off-ball guy. So he gives you that versatility of being he he's played in coverage before and he's played off the ball. Like he knows like he gives you that versatility and then for a 3-4 defense like the Bucks run or like the Broncos run, he can drop in coverage and he's not going to look hopeless. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he might have played safety in high school. So oh, he's I got experience, you know, if not in the secondary, he's, you know, like you said off-ball linebacker, he's got some coverage skills. Definitely. Uh, are there any other teams in free agency that kind of jumped out at you, good, bad, or otherwise? Um, the one that jumps out to me, and everybody's talked about him at this point, so I don't want to, I don't want to beat everyone to death with this, but like, I think I like the Patriots' moves more than most people. Um, I think Nelson Aguilar definitely got overpaid, like that's a thing, but I actually really liked what they did at tight end. Um, like Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels have shown that they know how to play heavy sets and utilize heavy sets. And the fact that they have Cam Newton, Cam Newton, A, Cam Newton relies on those receivers. Like Greg Olson ate when Cam Newton was good in Carolina. So I think like there's definitely a place for that. And also like the fact that everyone else in the NFL is going light with 11 personnel. The Patriots are trying to go heavy and they have the offensive line that they could just play ground and pound. 
Yeah, if you take away the price tag on what they signed these free agents for, I think they had a really great free agency. You know, because I really like all these players. I'm a really big Matt Judon fan. I think he's a really quality edge rusher. Uh, John U. Smith, Hunter Henry, that's a really strong duo at a really high price tag, but they're going to be a weapon for New England for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, so, and, yeah. go, oh, sorry. Well, I was just going to like the thing I like with Judon, I would not have liked Judon in a lot of schemes, but I think that he could be really good in the Belichick scheme because they're going to continue to do a lot of the things that made him successful in Baltimore. Yeah, I think he's going somewhere where he can really utilize his size, his length. He doesn't have to be that bendy speed rusher because they already have that in Josh Uche, who they drafted last year. Mm -hmm. And they also have Chase Winovich. So really, that's a strong group of edge rushers. Adding Judon makes them probably one of the best rooms in the league. Mm -hmm. And and I just think the the way Belichick uses his defense is he, he likes having hybrid players or guys that can wear multiple hats. And... And again, I, I just said this about OA and Asai, but like Judon gives you that versatility of like, he actually can play in coverage a little bit. So you can bring him up on the line as a creeper and he might be coming, he might not be coming. And you can do the same thing with Uche. And yeah, like, I, again, I feel like Belichick is going to figure out a way to utilize him. Again, I might be wrong, but it definitely like, if he would have gone to Denver, I would have been really nervous because I don't necessarily think that Matt Judon would have done as well in Denver. But I think with Belichick, he's, he's a good fit. Yeah, I think, and he he can move and play with his hand in the dirt too because he's a bigger edge. Mm-hmm. I think he came out of college at like two seventy, and I think he's trimmed down a little bit since then. But he's got a big physical play style, so he can do a lot of different roles for them. One free agency that I really really like in terms of like I think it was bad is I think the Raiders got significantly weaker. Uh, they basically gutted their offensive line, and well, they basically gutted their offensive line. And I think that. It helps Denver, like, and the thing is, Derek Carr will mitigate some of that because he's so good at getting rid of the ball quickly. But they're not going to have as strong a running game as they did before, and they spent all the money on their offensive line on a running back, which is a dumb way to allocate resources. There's one thing I believe that's a key to success in the NFL, and that's have elite strengths. Great pass rush great secondary, great quarterback play, be absolutely great at something and you're going to be successful. And the Raiders were, they had a great offensive line and now they've taken that away and now they're going to be okay on offense. I still like some of what they have there. They're still not very good on defense, even though I really liked that they signed Yannick Ngakwe. That back seven is still a mess. So now they're not really good at anything. You know, I'm really curious to see what they do in the draft because they've been really bad at drafting since Mike Mayock took over the GM role. Um, and, and I mean, they were bad at drafting even before. Basically, since Gruden's been there, they've been pretty bad in terms of personnel. Um, and I think he's covered for a lot of his own mistakes because he's a good play caller. But he's making his job harder now by stripping out the offensive line. So I feel like they're they're... I don't think a lot of teams drastically change their fortunes right now. Like the draft is still ahead. But I think the Raiders are set to kind of step back from what they were last year. Uh, yeah, I think so, too. A couple teams who I did like what they did, you know, run through them real quick. Who would, Like you said, I think a lot of the teams kind of stayed the same. A lot of them filled the holes they had. But I think three other teams stood out to me that got significantly better. Uh, one was New York Giants. 
Yeah, I really love the addition of Kenny Galladay. I think Adoree Jackson is going to be a great second corner on the other side of um, Jason oh, And I like yep. him a lot, too. Oh, yeah, he made my life miserable as a Bucks fan. Every year, he'd shut down Mike Evans twice a year. So I think that's a really strong duo. I, and I, I really like that offense now with what they got. They, really, they're putting all the pieces around Daniel Jones to be successful. And I, and I think I, – I don't believe in Daniel Jones. Like, I don't think he's very good. But I do think that they did the right thing because they drafted him so high, you can't give up on him yet. So you have to do everything in your power to make him successful. And essentially, they did. They, they built up the defense so they can rely on that to put him in good situations. And they, they've they allocated the resources and spent the money to surround him with a good supporting cast to do what he does well. Yeah, and really, he doesn't even have to be that good. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kenny Galladay is like 6'5". You just throw it up to him down the field. He'll make plays. Darius Slayton is lightning fast. You just flip it out to him on the wide receiver screen. He's going to make plays too. You know, mix in a couple of design quarterback runs because that's something Jones is actually really good at. And you just have to be average. I like the Rudolph signing too, because it gives them flexibility with what they do with Evan Ingram. And I think that's a key because I don't think Ingram's a really great inline tight end, but I do think he's a good, like flexible joker type that you can move around. You can move him the slot. You can use him as an H back. And now that they have a veteran who can actually play in line instead of like rookies or guys on the roster, they'll be able to do that more as long as everybody stays healthy. Did the Rudolph signing go through? Cause I thought I saw there was some kind of hang up on his physical. I know there was a hang-up, but I think he's in now. Oh, um, I saw. Oh, I, I have to double-check, but I think he was just doing an interview about how he's used to learning an offense every year because he played under Mike Zimmer, and they've cycled through offensive coordinators every year. So I think like he, that's what he was talking about. I was like, oh, yeah, I have to learn a new offense with the New York, you know, with Giants. But it's cool because I've been doing this every offseason for like seven years. And then I think one other team that got – notably better is in that same division it's going from the nsc least to actually really respectable and that's the washington football team yeah um, they added a quarterback and fitz magic is what he is he's either gonna ball out or he's really gonna kill you and really that's gonna be an upgrade from what they had last year it should be even if there's like six games where he just tanks you and i think that's you know a fairly high estimate on how often he's gonna really hurt you but I th- I like that addition. Well, I love the- Will Jackson. I think he's a really underrated corner, and I love the addition of Curtis Samuel, who's going to give them, if nothing else, a speed element. What I really like about Washington is they are too far down in the draft to really go get a quarterback unless somebody slides. And in that situation, they're basically they were stuck with either Alex Smith and Taylor Heineke, or they had to go get a veteran. So they went and got a veteran. And and again, I like Alex Smith. Like if Denver signs Alex Smith, I'm actually pretty okay with it. But Alex Smith's leg is going to be a huge question basically forever. And he's not a high upside guy. Like he, he comes in, he gives you a decent floor of not, he's not going to embarrass you because he's not going to poop his pants. Ryan Fitzpatrick might poop his pants one or two, like a couple times, but he's also going to carry your offense a few times. Like he's high variance. And what he gives you is he's going to put the other receivers and the other players in position to make plays. And that should help Terry McLaurin. And the fact that they got Curtis Samuel, as long as they use him, right. Cause again, I am nervous about that, but if they use him right as like a hybrid slot, a little bit of backfield stuff, like a mismatch weapon, he could be great. Mm-hmm. And I like and there's that a reason there. Fitz was getting playing time down the stretch for Miami last year over Tua, who was supposed to be their franchise quarterback moving forward. 
he's a good player when he's playing well. Yeah. I mean, we saw that hot start he had with Tampa Bay a couple of years ago where he led the league in passing yards for the first three, four weeks, and he's just lit the world on fire. He has that high upside, which for a guy who's, what, 40 now, never had a great arm, you wouldn't expect it, but he'll let his playmakers make plays, and I love that. Me too. Yeah, I think I think they, t- they took a step forward. And the thing is, now that they have Fitzpatrick, if an opportunity arises for them to go get a quarterback, they can do it, but they don't have to panic trade to go get him. Yep, they can actually just let things play out, let things come to them. I think they'll probably pick one up on day two. Same. I think some people have talked about Kyle Trask, who I'm not really a big fan of, but I think the NFL will probably be higher on. I've seen some people talk about Kellen Mond because he's got the tools. He can be that toolsy guy to learn behind a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick. I can see, I can see Kellen Mond for them. He makes a lot of sense because he looks that he looks like the guy. And I can see you t- taking a chance on him and the thought that like he can learn behind Fitzpatrick and Heineke for a year and then compete with Heineke down the road. And Ron Rivera has that experience working with a very athletic quarterback and utilizing that skill set and kind of developing him more as a passer. Mm-hmm. So I think that time working with Cam Newton would benefit Ron Rivera in working with a guy like Kendall Mond. So who's your third guy? I, I keep I keep slowing you down. I apologize. No, 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 no. Um, it's the other New York team, actually. Oh, you the like New the Jets? Jets? Yeah, I think they've had a really good offseason. One, I love their new coach. I think he's going to do a really good job there. I love that he's bringing a system. I love that you have a clear direction on where that team is going, unlike Jacksonville, where I have no idea what they're doing. Jacksonville and, to me, Jacksonville to me came off as like we're just throwing a net and seeing if anything actually sticks to the roster. Like, oh it, yeah, and there's a certain degree of like that makes it like I feel like Houston's doing the same thing, but Houston's all their players are guys that don't make a difference at all. And Jacksonville at least had a couple guys. I think like if they make sense, they could. Yeah, I mean you, those two you just listed; those are my two losers so far this off season. Jacksonville, I don't think they have a plan. Like you said, they're just throwing out a wide net. Anyone want to play here? We'll take any talent we can get. Who wants to play with Trevor Lawrence? Because, because well, and that's that's the thing with Houston that I think is like the worst part about their offseason. And I think that on the other side of it, I want to get back to the Jets because I I I, I agree with you, but I want to talk about that. The thing with Houston is, and again, we I I say have to say this on every everything I ever say. I don't know if Deshaun Watson is innocent or guilty. I'm not trying to advocate one way or the other. I just like you have to like from a roster building standpoint, like it's impossible to ignore this with Houston. If Deshaun Watson doesn't play for the Houston Texans again, like they're gonna crater. Like the roster is bad enough that all the additions they made this year aren't going to elevate them from a three-win team to to a 10-win team. And again, I like Tyrod Taylor. I just don't think he's that good of a quarterback. And and again, I'm rooting for Philip Lindsay, but he's in a very crowded backfield, and they didn't do a whole lot to improve their offensive line. They added a lot of linebackers. Linebackers are arguably the least valuable member of your defense. Like, and again, like I like line, you know, I'm not it's not personal, but it's just they didn't do a lot to fix the the secondary and they didn't do a lot to fix their defensive line. So I I still have a ton of questions about what Houston's doing. And Jacksonville is a lot of the same. Like they had issues on defense on basically all three levels last year. They added a ton of guys, but who are any of them real difference makers? I think the moment they hired Urban Meyer, 
that was the moment where you start thinking, what's the plan here? He's not a long-term guy. You've never seen it in the NFL. This is an experiment, and you got no idea where this is going. Honestly, for a team that lucked into Trevor Lawrence because the New York Jets, like, accidentally won a game, I feel like the Jaguars are doing everything possible to ruin it. And and again, like, I I think Urban Meyer was a really good coach in college. So, like, I'm not trying to – but but like you said, he's not really a lot. Like we, he retires he retires a lot. And again, like I like his health issues are probably very real. So like I get that. But like if you have those health issues, why would you hire the guy to take over for, for like what we would assume presumably is like a ten year type of job? Like Trevor Lawrence is probably going to be good enough that whoever is coaching there is not going to get fired because of the quarterback. So I just it, just, it doesn't make any sense to me. He's got to be getting close to 70 now. I mean, he's at least 65, I think. Uh, Do you think the uh, New York Jets are going to stay with Sam Darnold, or do you think they're going to go after a quarterback? Oh, side note, he's only 56. Yeah, it just looks. It feels like he's so much older because he's been coaching for so long, and he's had so many health-related issues, but he's actually younger than I realized, so maybe that makes a little more sense, but sorry. And for any of our listeners that don't know this, Urban Meyer retired from Florida because of stress and health-related things. And then I, if I, and again, I'm, I'm not looking this at this as I, but I, I, I clearly remember him doing something similar at Ohio state. So, and again, maybe he just wanted to retire. Like I, he had a really cushy job lined up with ESPN. I don't know, but, but again, I have a lot of questions about that hire. And again, he's never been in the NFL. So it's like, you didn't have to take this kind of risk and you did. Yeah, and he's already made some questionable decisions with the staff he's brought in and now the players he's bringing in. You don't see any kind of plan in place. Yeah. But but as far as the Jets, yeah, do you, do you think they're going to stay? Right now, there seems to be some push that Sam Darnold could end up being on the roster. And you could argue that, that I, I've seen a report that part of that may be due to the fact that the NFL is not as high on Sam Darnold as a lot of fans and media members are. Because a lot of fans and media members are convincing themselves that Adam Gase and the Jets roster was so bad that Sam Darnold's going to go to a new team and just be amazing. It doesn't necessarily sound like that's where the NFL is on him. Um, but I don't know if they're going to still take a quarterback at two regardless because they, outside of Trevor Lawrence, they can have any quarterback in this class. I think they probably will because Sam Darnold has been playing this. He's going into his fourth year or third yeah, year? Fourth year. Fourth year. So they're going to have to re-sign him soon. So they're going to have to make a decision on him one way or another, you know, fair or not to him, you know, with the bad situation he's been playing in. Either way, his time could be coming to an end in New York. Yep. And he still has value because he's a little bit of an unknown because it was such a bad situation. So I think, one, trading him, getting assets back in return. Two, getting to draft another quarterback and resetting your clock there. I think that makes a lot of sense. Letting your new coach handpick his guy. Who's he want running his show? That is definitely what I would do. I also very, like, I ardently hope that that's not what the Jets do because if they don't take a quarterback, they're a prime trade down candidate. Or if they take somebody else, like, let's say they take Penny Sewell there, which doesn't, like, you know, hypothetically, all of a sudden the quarterbacks start to slide down the board a little bit, which helps Denver. Uh, it's going to be active, active market for the quarterback. One other team that I really was not a huge fan of their free agency. I think the Titans, honestly, their whole off season, I think the Titans got worse, like quite a bit worse. Really? I, I do. 
Uh, I think that they are counting on Ryan Tannehill to cover up for a lot of issues up and down the roster at this point. They lost Arthur Smith to Atlanta last year when they lost Dean Pease, like their defense cratered and like they, they made the playoffs anyway, but their defense was a junk show last year and they cut Adore Jackson. They cut Isaiah Wilson and grant or in granted, like he was obviously a first round bust, but they basically wasted a first round pick last year. They never got anything out of it. So like they still, they cut Dennis Kelly. So like they have a glaring need at right tackle. Now they lost Corey Davis. So like their receiving core is worse. They lost John U. Smith and their defense is still bad. So like they have as many needs as they had last year and they actually added to them. See, I actually kind of liked, like, I get what you're saying. That's why I didn't put them on my mm-hmm. list of winners, but I've liked what they've brought in because they added Bud Dupree as a second pass rusher. So him and Harold Landy, Landry actually make a really nice duo and it makes me care a little bit less that they have no defensive coaching because I'm I'm not as high on Bud Dupree as you are and that's probably that's probably a big factor in that it is I mean I don't think he's an elite pass rusher but I think if you have two really good pass rushers and Landry and Dupree that's that's a strong group I mean it's okay that neither are elite it's okay that Bud Dupree's overpaid because they're both good. Mm-hmm. No, and and again, like if Bud Dupree comes in and coming back from the ACL and like he's good, like I could see the front being good enough because I do think Jeffrey Simmons is probably going to be pretty damn good this year. Uh, like year three, full year, like full year and a half now removed from the ACL, like he should be pretty darn good. I just, again, I just have questions around the rest of the roster. And I haven't looked at their schedule, but I do know in the AFC South, like the Colts aren't going away unless Carson Wentz is a complete dumpster fire again, which again, is possible. Trevor Lawrence should theoretically make Jacksonville better. So like the fact that they have that division, like there's questions up and down that whole division maybe. But again, I'm pretty optimistic about the Colts. And I do think Trevor Lawrence is going to be, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be an offensive rookie of the year candidate right up, like right off the bat. Um, oh, yeah. maybe that's unfounded. Like, I think like that's not that big a thing, but the big questions I have with Jacksonville is their defense. I think Houston's going to be bad. So like, I think the Titans floor is third in the division, but I, I don't necessarily think that they're going to get better than they were last year. This is just where I'm at with them. Well, it goes back to my belief that elite strengths win games. They win championships and their front seven is really good in Tennessee because not only did they add Dupree, they also added the nose tackle from, Indianapolis. They stole that from Indivision. Mm-hmm. Autry, and he's a really good player. So next to Jeffrey Simmons is going to make that that line really strong. Adding Dupree as a second pass rusher. I like their linebacker group. I think that's a really strong front seven. We can agree to disagree on this one. Because I, I just, I think, like, again, I feel like the Titans are going to probably take a step back just because, like, I think the loss of Arthur Smith is going to have as big an impact on Ryan Tannehill as losing Dean Pace did last year on the defense. And again, I might be wrong, but as of now, like we have, I, I want to say we have nine years of Ryan Tannehill's career. Uh, and I might be wrong. It might be seven. I, we have, a, we have a substantial sample size of Ryan Tannehill's career and he's only been good under Arthur Smith. So like that gives me concern, especially when like he'd lost the supporting cast, but moving, moving from the overall teams, have you, have you seen much of the Broncos free agency? Uh, and if you haven't, I can kind of give you like a quick rundown of it. But, I mean, they mostly just brought everyone back. Um, they kept Von Miller, brought back Justin Simmons, re-signed Shelby Harris. But then they went out and they signed 
two big names. Uh, they went and got Kyle Fuller uh, 34 minutes after the Bears caught him, which I thought was awesome. Uh, and then they they brought in Ronald Darby. And I want to I, I want to know like what you think of those two because I know where I'm at with them, but I'm also probably hopelessly biased. Uh, I can tell you I'm really high on Fuller. I think Fuller is a really quality player. I think that's a steal because y'all got him at what nine million? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good price tag for him. So I think that's a really good value. And I think Derby is solid. I think he's going to be a really serviceable player. I don't think he's a star by any means, but if he's your corner two, I think you're fairly comfortable with that. So I think those are two really good additions for a team. I think really need to cornerback help. Yeah, and that's well, and that's the thing I like the most about it. Uh, Bringing in the corners as they did, and granted, like Kyle Fuller and Bryce Callahan both have contracts set to expire after this season, so the Broncos could still afford to go after a cornerback, but they don't have to go after a cornerback at nine now. And I think that's smart. Like it gives George Payton a lot of flexibility with what he's going to do in the draft from here. Yeah, flexibility in the draft is always valuable. Uh, I, so I think I'd probably still put corner high on the list though, because who's the corner opposite Darby? Well, so the Broncos are counting on Kyle Fuller, Ronald Darby, and then Bryce Callahan. The thing that concerns me is Ronald Darby and Bryce Callahan, they've both been in the league since 2015, and they both have missed games. Like, between the two of them, they have one season where they played 16 games or more. So, like, they're just both injury prone. And again, like, I'm not rooting for that, and they may be healthy. But when when you've been in the league that long and you've been hurt that often, like, I feel like when you sign that guy, you have to account for the fact that he's probably going to miss time somewhere. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah, you're, you're just playing the odds. You know, history says probably going to get hurt. It's like, and I I feel like you kind of look at that like we're paying him the money, we're paying him to get hopefully 12 games. And if you get more, you get more, but you count on about 12. So you do need a backup plan. And the Broncos' backups are, and again, Broncos fans will get mad at me about this because like people are really high on Michael Ujimudia. Michael Ujimudia, third round pick out of Iowa, zone corner, never played, like basically never played man coverage at Iowa. Uh, they almost played him at safety. They played him at corner because they needed him there and he was better there for them than at safety. I totally get that. And he's had moments like he, he had some good plays. Like at the end of the season, he had the peanut punch twice. Like he forced two fumbles, but he also got benched because his tackling wasn't up to snuff. He got beat by chase Claypool, Julio Jones, like really badly. Um, and again, like I get it. It's chase Claypool and it's Julio Jones, but also like he got, he got schooled by Julio. 
Um, so I think that in year two, he should step forward, but I'm kind of, kind of glad that he's now depth and then hopefully stepping in for an injury or getting a red shirt year to like, kind of like be ready for year three. I kind of dig that. Um, Essing Bassey was a really good story last year. I like him undrafted free agent out of wake forest, really, really good hips, really, really good lateral agility, but he tore his ACL near the end of the year. So like, I feel like you can't really count on him. Um, maybe he surprises you not a bad choice for fifth corner, but like, you don't know what you're going to get from him yet. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this year is such a strong draft class for corners. It is. You don't want to let a great corner prospect pass you by because of a good corner prospect you have on the roster or, you know, you're, you're comfortable, but it's not great with your starters. I just think cornerback is too valuable. Like in, in the NFL and in the Bronco, I, I I've actually looked, there is not a team in the NFL that played base personnel more than nickel and dime last year. So every single team in the league had three or more defensive cornerbacks uh, on the field more than half the time in 2020. And that's probably not going to change this year. Oh no, it's a passing league. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it makes sense to carry at least five that you feel comfortable with and probably more if you can. It's a floor position. It's like the offensive line. If you have a hole in your secondary or if you have a hole in your offensive line, the opposing, opposing teams are going to attack that. And then I think having the versatility with your safeties mm-hmm. to be able to drop one down and play that nickel role, you know, play that big nickel, match up with the tight ends, because you see some pretty good tight ends in your division. Mm-hmm. So if you can have like that big body who can drop down and play that and be that matchup guy, that can even save you a roster spot for a cornerback. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those things that people people underrate how good Justin Simmons is because he's not the big he's not John Lynch. Like he's not blowing people up like that. But he's he's essentially a quasi corner in coverage. He's a reliable hitter, reliable tackler, good at run fits, and he has the kind of range that he can cover the whole back end. Like I like I think he's easily a top three safety, and I think he's the best in the league. But he's in the top three. So and you guys I, just franchise tagged him this year, right? Franchised and then extended him, so he's here for a while. And and the in the cap hit, yeah, and the cap hit to extend him is less than six million dollars this year. So I really like that move. Um, I do think because Kareem Jackson is going to be, I want to say he's going to be thirty four uh, in April. I do think that the Broncos could use a safety in the draft. Uh, this is a decent safety class. It's not necessarily a fast safety class, um, but there are a couple guys who really make sense for split, like split field duties. Um, I really, really like Trevon Morig out of TCU, and TCU plays a scheme that's kind of similar. There's some overlap to what Fangio runs, so it's really easy to watch TCU and see how it fits. Um, Ardarius Washington is the other safety there. He's also in the draft. The problem with Ardarius Washington is he's very small. Like he's like he's a small boy. So yeah, he, I think he measured in at five six. Oh man, I have to look. I want to say I want to see a little taller than that, but I might be wrong. Maybe five eight. Um, but he's small. Yeah, he's not a big dude. Um, I do like him though. Physical, so uh, less than five eight. So he's he's like generously listed at five eight. Is how I would describe it. And then he's one hundred and seventy nine pounds. So and again, I like him. I think you when you watch his tape, he plays like a two hundred twenty pound guy. Um. Like at times, 
Because like when he's coming forward, he plays with the kind of tenacity that he'll light you up. But if you get a body on him and he's not seeing it, like he's 179 pounds, like he's going to go somewhere. So Right. And then it's just kind of playing the odds, like you said, with the injury earlier. How long is a guy who's sub 5'8 going to hold up in the league mm-hmm. going up against 200-pound wide receivers or 260-pound tight ends or if he has to take on a blocker, 300-some pound lineman? And so that's that's my big concern with him. Um, I, I liked Paris Ford's tape. It was okay um, for like a day three type of guy out of pit. Uh, I want to say he ran like a four four seven. I, I don't have again. I don't have the numbers right in front of him, but he was slow. Like his forty in the it was slow enough, and his other workouts were bad enough that he's probably undrafted at this point. He might still be a player, and he just didn't work out well. But I probably wouldn't spend. A, I wouldn't go higher than a fifth round pick on him. And yeah, I probably wouldn't go for really that. No, it did. And again, like you hate to see it, but like, that's why they have, that's why these numbers matter. And that's why like a lot of people get frustrated with me because I get salty about the fact that guys will skip drills. Like JC Horn, Patrick Sertan, both skip drills. I mentioned this earlier this week. The, the thing that bothers me about that is you skip drills generally because you're bad at the drill. Like that's why you do it. Um, like everyone will cite like an injury or like, Oh, I'm, I'm just going to rest on my 40 time. It's like, yeah, because you're not very good at a three cone. And like when you have questions about that kind of like three cone measures, like your lateral mobility. So when there's already questions about your lateral mobility, if you skip that kind of drill, it's like, well, yeah, then you're only confirming what I already thought is you're not very quick. Right. But it's better to leave a team thinking maybe yeah. he's a little heavy footed than proving it. No, it's, I mean, from his perspective, it's smart because it makes them rely on the tape. But I'm, I'm just saying like, for me, if I was an evaluator and I was really concerned about it. And again, like with JC Horn, I have other concerns. I would, if I ran a cover three and like a Seattle type of scheme where you're running him up on the line, pressing like, like what the jets are going to do. If he's there, when the jets pick the second time, the first round, I would take him. Like he makes a ton of sense for them. For the Broncos at nine, I would not take JC Horn. And I think that's probably the range you're going to see him go after yeah. his testing yeah. because the things he did test in, he was out Insane. of his world. Yep. Uh, but no, so I, I want to kind of pin you down with this. What do you think the Broncos biggest needs are based on what they've done and what you know about the roster? Well, you got to start at quarterback and that hurts me to say, cause I like drew lock. I thought he was, QB2 coming out in his draft class. And I still think that because, you know, I was low on Dwayne Haskins. I was low on Daniel Jones. So I am a a Locke fan in terms of his talent, but he hasn't progressed. He hasn't really developed as much as I'd want to see. And I don't know if that's a Locke issue, and I don't know if that's a coaching staff issue. You know, so it makes me question, should they take a guy like Trey Lance if they've already failed to develop one quarterback who isn't quite pro-ready? Can they develop this guy? So I think they should be looking for quarterback. If Justin Fields somehow falls to nine or they can trade up and get him, I think that's a slam dunk. I think he's a top three player in this class. I think he's my quarterback too. Same. He's a really good. Yeah. And I, I, I've talked about him with uh, Tim Jenkins a few, honestly, I think it was like a month back now. And he doesn't like Tim Jenkins is really low on Justin Fields because he has problems with his processing. And I get the concern, but I also have the same concern. And honestly, it's a larger concern for me with Drew Locke. Um, I feel like Drew Locke sees the game slow. Uh, and granted, that might that might improve in year three. Like 
I do expect Drew Locke to hit year three and be better. My problem is I don't think he's going to be good enough. Like, I don't think he's going to progress enough to go from quarterback is the biggest need on the roster to not being a need anymore. Like, I don't think he's ever going to become the guy. I think he's going to become a guy until you find the guy. And considering the fact that the Broncos are at nine right now, the roster looks like a playoff roster outside of quarterback. Granted, they stay healthy. I don't think you're going to be high enough to get a quarterback without trading up in future years. So for me, this is kind of your best shot. Like barring like two years from now, everything goes to hell. And so for me, it's like, if you have a chance to get a Justin Fields, you have to go do it. And the reason I'm not as concerned about his processing as like Tim Jenkins was, or as some others are, is watch the way Ohio State's offense works. They run a lot of option routes where it's on him to wait for the guy to make a decision. And I think that what he offers you outside of that is so much higher than what Locke gives you. He's like, Justin Fields is a better athlete. I think Justin Fields has a comparable arm. Um, and I just, I think the the way his teammates respond to him is more palpable than what you see with Locke. Yeah. And I kind of fall somewhere in the middle with his processing. I agree with your, with your point on the offense. I think that's definitely a factor. And you have to look at that when comparing him to Drew Locke, who would be your alternative. Mm-hmm. The reason they're slow processors, it's totally different. Yeah. And I think Drew Locke, it's, he's processing slowly. He sees the game at a you know slower pace. Yep. And I think there's definitely a lot of truth to what you said about Justin Fields, but I also think he could also go a little faster. He could oh, throw I, I guys definitely... open, anticipate a little more. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not saying that he can't improve. I do. I would like, that is a, when I went back the first time I went through fields tape, that was definitely a note I made is that he doesn't throw with anticipation enough. And that is something I would like to see more of for sure. Mm-hmm. Because the Buccaneers run a very similar offense. It's a lot of wide receiver option routes mm-hmm. and Tom Brady gets that. And it, I don't want to compare Justin Fields to Tom Brady. That's not even remotely fair at all. But he gets that ball out quickly. Yep. Even the deep shots where you're, you know, letting the routes develop, that ball's coming out fast. You can't hold on to the ball in the NFL. Even if you're as good an athlete as Justin Fields, and you can run away from defensive ends and even some linebackers, you gotta get that ball out. Mm-hmm. So since we mentioned this with Locke, I feel like this is something I, I I've touched on this before on Twitter, like on Twitter, and I just wanted to mention it. It's one of the reasons why I was really, really down on the decision to fire Rich Gangarello, not because I necessarily thought Rich Gangarello was ever going to set the world on fire, but they drafted Drew Locke for that offense, like that Shanahan style of offense where you're scheming guys open. So when you're scheming a guy open like that, you're mitigating some of those issues with a quarterback that doesn't throw with anticipation because the guy is wide open. If the guy is getting wide open, the quarterback is going to be able to find him because you're basically just telling him, go get, go throw right there. And you're taking some of the mental stuff off his plate in, in the fact that like, when you're doing a lot of rollouts, you're doing a lot of play action stuff. Like he's not having to make a lot of pre-snap decisions. And that's one of those things that Shermer's offense does is it puts a lot on your plate to make the right decision with a half field read. And that's an issue. Like that's a, that was a big issue for Drew Locke. And that was one of those things that everybody, everybody points to the Miami game is like, that's when the Broncos offense got better is because Drew Locke made a huge difference. The thing is after Las Vegas, 
Drew Locke crapped his pants in Las Vegas because he couldn't figure out how to read the field and the Raiders kept changing looks up between pre-snap and post-snap and he just fell apart. And after that, Pat Shermer stopped calling empty. He started to dial up a lot more play action boot action to the right, which is a strength of Locke's. And again, I'm glad he did it. I wish he would have done it all year. Like I don't know why he didn't do it all year. Um, but it was more static routes where it was like more hitches, more comebacks, more curls. So Drew Locke didn't have to throw with anticipation to get a guy on the move. He was just throwing to a trash can standing still. Mm-hmm. And he, he can do that. He's got a great arm. Yep. He's got underrated athleticism. He's not a statue. He has talent. Yeah. But if you're going to put a guy who needed development coming out of college in an offense that requires him to make a lot of reads and a lot of calls and things like that, when you knew that wasn't his strength coming out, you're setting him up for failure. Agreed. And that's, I, I keep feeling like I need to say it. Like on Twitter, like I'm very ardently defend, like I ardently defend Vic Fangio quite a bit, but I do think that was a miscalculation on his part to to pull the pull, plug on Rich Gangrel like that and move away from that kind of offense to the offense that they're running with Sherman. Uh, one quarterback, one other quarterback I want to bring up to you because I think since we're talking quarterbacks with the Broncos, I, I, I'm going to probably pick your brain on this a little bit. Where do you land on Zach Wilson? He's my quarterback four, to be honest. I'm lower on Zach Wilson. He, There are moments when you watch Zach Wilson where he's unbelievably good. He'll make a crazy throw. He'll throw it 60 yards. He'll drop it in the bucket under pressure. It's beautiful. But then you watch him on just a normal drop back, and he bails from a clean pocket, and you have no idea what his feet are doing, and... It's very correctable, but it's definitely a problem for a guy who's being targeted with a second overall pick. Mm-hmm. I think Justin Fields is a much more polished passer at this point, and he's played against a higher level of competition. So, yes, I have questions with his ability to process quickly. I have questions with Wilson in terms of his ability to process those higher-level defenses as well. So I'm lower on him. I think he's more pro-ready right now than Trey Lance. But I think Trey Lance will bring you a higher upside because he's a better thrower of the football on a consistent basis. One of my big issues with Zach Wilson is that he's not afraid to make any throw, which is it's a both a good and a bad thing. On one side of it, he's gonna he's gonna give his guys chances, which I think would play in the Broncos offense, and I really like that. Um because like with a Cortland Sutton, that's one of those things that makes Drew Locke really effective when Sutton's healthy, is that you have a guy who's gonna make you right. But on the same side, like Zach Wilson loses guys. Like he, he loses a linebacker and just doesn't see him. He'll put the ball in harm's way that way. And I do think that that's a concern. But the big, the big, big, big concern I have with Zach Wilson is something that we're not going to be able to find out, and NFL teams will, is the medicals. But I know he has questions about his shoulders, his frame. He's not a big guy. So like giving, like taking shots is going to be, it could be an issue. I'm not saying it is, but it could be an issue. And he's shorter. Um, and again, like I think height to some degree is overrated, but when you're looking at quarterbacks at the top of the draft like this, like it has to be a factor as well. Like he's the smallest of the top, the big four. And like you said, he's lean, he's, he's athletic and he's not afraid to run, but if you get a linebacker coming full speed at 240, 250 pounds, you don't want that. So you have Trey Lance as QB3. Tell me about why you have him as QB3. I love his talent. I really do. I think he's a great thrower of the football. I think he's accurate. He's not pinpoint accurate. He can definitely improve his ball placement. 
but he's generally very accurate. And when he misses, it's a safe miss. He will lead his guy a little too far. He doesn't typically put the ball in harm's way, which, you know, you would expect from a guy who threw zero interceptions in his, you know, last full season. Yeah. Which, you know, is not a fair representation because he did throw some really bad passes, you know, just his decision-making. He just didn't see defenders bounced off their hands. So he threw zero interceptions, but he's not this prolific reader of the field, high IQ quarterback yet. I think he can be. I think the talent is definitely there. But I think my biggest issue with him, there were a lot of times where he was one read, maybe two reads. If it wasn't there, he just tucks it. Yep. And, you know, there are, there are times when that's fine. But I just, I'm not sure he's ready to step in every offense in the NFL and thrive at this point. I think he's going to need a redshirt year. Somewhere like Atlanta is somewhere I've mocked him a lot of times. Being able to sit behind Matt Ryan, really learn from that coaching staff, from that quarterback room, and just develop. The The thing I like about Lance is I think his ability to run the ball is going to play in the NFL. Um, like, you, you look at, like, Mac Jones ran a 4-8. I don't really care. He's You're never going to want Mac Jones to run the ball in the NFL. Like, unless he absolutely has to. And even then, you're you're cringing because he probably missed a guy who would have done a lot more with the with the ball than he is. But I think Trey Lance, like you can run QB power with Trey Lance, and I think he'll be able to be like a Cam Newton type of guy near the red zone. And when points are at a premium like they are, like having a quarterback who has to be accounted for like that makes everyone else's life easier. Uh, and I do think that like the Bronco, and this is why I like him for the Broncos specifically. I worry about where Trey Lance fits with the Broncos because I think Pat Shermer, like we just saw what Pat Shermer did to Drew Locke. So I worry about him not meeting where Lance needs to be met. But at the same time, behind Pat Shermer on the on the coaching staff is Mike Shula. And Mike Shula was the offensive coordinator when Cam Newton was quite good. Um, so I do think that there is the ability to adapt and mold the offense around a quarterback like Trey Lance. And that's that's what gives me some hope with him. And then, yeah, you, you, I've heard enough things from like Quincy Avery and Grant, he's his coach. So like, he's going to, he's going to talk him up, but you hear enough stuff about his mental acumen and like what the coaching staff at North Dakota state put on his plate. I'm optimistic that he would be able to pick up an offense in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, they were national champions. They were doing exactly what they needed to, to be the best. So I think there's definitely room for growth. I think he can grow. Everything I know about him tells me that he's someone who's smart. He's someone who's a hard worker. He's someone that's a leader. I'm really optimistic about his upside. But you compared him to Cam Newton, and I really like that comp. I compared him to Josh Allen, who was a little more raw coming out, coming from a smaller school. And I actually compared Josh Allen to Cam Newton. So I see your line of thinking there, definitely. And and I I really hate player comps. So I I, want to kind of like – Back, not backtrack it, but I, what I mean when I compare him to Cam Newton or Josh Allen is like their running ability. I think that both of those guys are just freak shows in terms of like what they bring in terms of like, they're the size of a defensive end. Like and Cam and Cam Newton, Trey Lance, Josh Allen all kind of bring that physical profile. And because of that, like usually when you run with a quarterback, you're kind of cringing. Like if Trevor Lawrence, like every time I'm on tape, when I watch Clemson run the ball with Trevor Lawrence, I always ask myself like, why the hell are you doing that? Like, He's a, he's a string bean. And again, I like Trevor Lawrence a lot, but you're asking for him to take shots when it's, it doesn't make sense to do so when he's 215 pounds, like you don't want defensive ends keep teeing off on him, but like you have a Trey Lance or you have a Cam Newton, like 
they lower like the boom on an opponent. Like they're able to grind out yards like a power back. Yeah, he's a big physical profile. In terms of athletic tools, it's a rare breed what yeah. Trey Lance brings to the field. And this is a really athletic quarterback class. It is. Trevor Lawrence, very athletic. Justin Fields, very athletic. Even skinny little Zach Wilson, he can move. He's fat. He's athletic. So even in an athletic quarterback class, Trey Lance stands out. Where do you land on Mac Jones? Not the first round. <laughs> I like Mac Jones. I think he's a quality player. I see a lot of a lot of things I like, but I don't see him just dripping with talent where he's a guy I want to take in the top 10. Mm-hmm. He's not someone who I want under pressure. He's he tested really well, but I feel like that test is a little bit misleading because he's not super athletic on film. Well, that's that's the thing. I, I made a joke about it. That like EA is going to give him an 80 speed in Madden because they give every quarterback an 80 speed in Madden. Like they gave Dwayne Haskins an 80 speed in Madden. And I made I made jokes about it then. And and everybody kind of stuck to like, oh, well, he looks faster on the field. It's like, no, he doesn't. Like, did you watch him? Um, and Mac Jones, like honestly, when Mac Jones runs around, he looks like Phillip Rivers. Like, and I'm not saying like Phillip Rivers early in his career. I'm talking about like 35-year-old Phillip Rivers is what Mac Jones looks like when he tries to move around in the pocket. I think he has phone booth quickness. I like that. And I and I do think that he is a cerebral player. Like he uses his mind and he does he's very accurate. I like those three things. My concern with Mac Jones, and 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 I've brought this up a number of times, but my problem with Mac Jones is everybody kind of says, like, oh, well, look at Tom Brady, look at Drew Brees. Like these guys are playing from the pocket. But the thing is, they're in the league. Like they've been in the league forever. So like they've mastered an NFL offense and that's why they're at the playing at the level they are, even though they're not mobile. Like Tom Brady early in his career was very, very reliant on a running game and a defense. Drew Brees early in his career was bad, like straight up bad. Like there, there's no way fans are butts. Like he, he got, they drafted Phillip rivers because they were giving up on Drew Brees. So like, Drafting a Mac Jones in the top 10, and I think a team is going to probably do it. And God, I hope it's not the Broncos. What you're doing is you're counting on him being able to hit the ground running and being able to quickly figure out how to find help or dump offs without having the ability to run the ball. So if a defense gives him a look that he doesn't anticipate at the snap, he's not going to have his legs to rely on. Like he, like that's the thing with all the other big quarter, like big time quarterbacks is if Justin Fields doesn't understand what the defense is throwing at him, he'll probably just run for five yards. Mac Jones is probably not doing that. And if Mac Jones is doing that, he's going to get like a yard. Like you don't want him to do that. And another thing, you know, you're talking about his athletic ability, his tools. Mac Jones doesn't have a great arm. No. Which, you know, I, I think he throws a nice deep ball. I think he's accurate down the field. But if you need that velocity to squeeze it in a tight window, you know, you got to fit it past a linebacker and in that window, I don't think he can do it. If it, if he was again, like, and I, I feel like it's an oversimplification, but like, this is just to give an idea for people listening. Like if he was in Madden, I would give his arm strength, something like an 82, 82, 83, which is low. Like that's low. Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, like, I think he can play in the league with that, but I wouldn't, I, it comes down to this, like, cause I don't think his arm's going to get significantly better either. Like that's the other part of it. Like you draft these other guys and like, yes, each of them have warts, like no quarterback coming in the league is perfect. But the thing is like, 
the belief is that in like two years time, all of them will have the same kind of like exposure to the NFL and probably get better in terms of the mental aspects of the game. And they have the physical tools. Mac Jones in four years, when you have to make the decision on a fifth year option, he'll probably be a pretty smart guy with a limited arm who can't really move. Like, do you want to pay that guy $20 million or more? Because that's what quarterbacks are going to make. And I don't think I would like, I've been going back and forth on Mac Jones for this whole, like every, like, you know, forever. Um, because I've heard the fact like people will keep saying to me like, Oh, he's like Tom Brady. He's a maniac. He's just going to like figure it all out and just be like, just kick your ass. Like he's just going to be that guy. And again, like he might be, but if that's all you're counting on here to draft him that high, when we have Micah Parsons running a four, three like I would rather pass on Mac Jones and get him in the second round or not get him. Then take him in the top 10. Yeah, and I don't think you can compare Mac Jones to Tom Brady, not just because he's Tom Brady and he's the GOAT and all these things, but the talent level. And I think if you're looking for an NFL comparison, I think you're looking more at a slow Teddy Bridgewater. I could could definitely see that. I I feel like uh, like a Teddy Bridgewater with Eli Manning's mobility. Yeah, which, you know, that is not what you're looking for with a top 10 pick. Uh, are there any other quarterbacks in this class that you really like? I know, like we we briefly touched on Kellen Mond. Um, I haven't watched him yet. Um, because again, I don't think the Broncos. I think the Broncos are either going to go after a quarterback high, like really high, or they're not going to go after one at all. But are there any guys that like that you would like say like, hey, I'm taking a swing on this guy because I think he could make it. Mm, honestly, no, not really. <laughs> I think Shane. Shelley is going to be a nice clipboard clipboard holder somewhere. He doesn't have a very good arm. I think I picture him as like a, a Cooper Rush or uh, Brett Rippon, who you guys are very familiar with there in Denver. I yep. think he's a very similar career trajectory. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Other than that, it's slim pickings for quarterback. You got to get one early or. Could be in trouble. Well, and I think I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that's one of those things that like we every draft season, we all convince ourselves like, oh, you could take a quarterback in the second round. It doesn't cost you as much. And then like there's a chance he might still develop because he he was a high draft pick. The hit rate on second round quarterbacks is abysmal. Like most of those guys turn into backups. The very like the exceptional few is like Andy Dalton, Derek Carr, like in recent history. And again, like, I'm not trying to hate on that, but it's just, 
I feel like if you're going to go after a quarterback, I, I, I just wrote a piece that NFL draft do's and don'ts. One of my things is like, if you believe in a quarterback, go get him because like waiting on a quarterback is not the way to get a successful quarterback in the NFL. It's just time proven. That's a failing, failing business model. And every year teams still do it. So I hope the Broncos don't do that. Uh, kind of moving beyond quarterbacks. Cause I, I, I think I do want to get this. Like, who are your guys? Like everyone has guys like, uh, Jordan Reed, Jordan Reed brought this up of like in a scouting term, it's like, these are like your red star players. Like these are the players, like if you were in a draft room and you came to your pick, who are the guys that you would like bang the table for and say, I know that he's going to be successful. Like, Oh, do you have any, first of all? Um, not as many as I do in other years. Like, honestly, I'm low on this draft class overall. I think it's lacking some of those high upside guys, those guys I typically like, those sleepers, like the Max Crosbys of the world who I was really high on. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Um, one of my things is I, I try to look at every prospect from like a like what they could be and then the risk. And I just feel like this year there's so many more risks with basically every prospect. And maybe it's just because I'm doing it more. Like I'm, I'm obsessing over the draft more than I normally do. But I feel like every guy has either a medical question, a character concern, or some sort of other issue with his play. Yeah, I mean, the guys I like, I mean, I really like Micah Parsons' talent. Like you said, he just ran a 4-3-40. Yep. But he's got off-field questions. Yep. I really like Jane, Jalen Phillips' tape. I think he's really, really good. He's probably the best edge rusher. He's a top-10 talent in this class. But with his history of concussions, how high are you taking that guy? Well, and here, here's the other thing with Jalen Phillips. Uh, and I want to just bring this up because I do think that like, we don't talk about this enough. He has the concussions, but not only that, but Jalen Phillips has had issues with his left wrist, both ankles and multiple concussions. Like, like the concussions in and of themselves, like you said, like I'm afraid of concussions because I saw Ernie Sims come out and they gave him a special helmet. Everybody said it was fine. And then it wasn't fine. Concussions are one of those things. It's a career-long question mark. But on top of the concussions, Jalen Phillips also has issues with his ankles and his wrists. So, like, there's durability questions. There's legitimate durability questions. Yeah, and if you're 100 or 260 pounds and you got bad ankles, it's hard to hold up that weight with that kind of violent force in the trenches. One guy I really like, and I, I, I feel like I just I got on him so early that maybe I'm fooling myself. But I love Jabril Cox. Um, I I like the fact he played for North Dakota State. He dominated at North Dakota State. And then he left. He transferred to the SEC, and he didn't look like a fish out of water. He only got to play one year at LSU. Yes, he's going to have some issues in run defense. He does over-pursue a little bit. Yes, he's not. He's, he needs to get stronger, and I don't necessarily think he's ever going to be like really stout at the point of attack. But I do think in today's NFL, where it's becoming just a space game, like, I think he plays. Like, I think he's a good enough player in coverage that if you have a guy to run with him as the run defender, I think you could be really, really good on the back end with him. Yeah, I think if you're running that 3-4 defense and you've got that bigger middle linebacker in there already, you can put Cox in there next to him and he can be that complement. He can be that speed, that coverage linebacker. I just don't want him being the guy in the middle. I, he needs to have some help there. Same. Anybody else that jump out to you? Uh, I like Elijah Vera Tucker. And huh? he's fresh in my mind because I just watched him yesterday. But I really liked his film. 
And then he tested yesterday, and he tested really, really well. I liked his film at tackle. I know he came in a little bit short-armed, I think just 32 inches. Mm -hmm. So I know a lot of people are going to project him to car guard, which he's played in college, and he played it really well. Mm -hmm. So I think he's either going to be a, a good left tackle in the NFL, or he could be you know, a Joe Thune. I think he's going to be a really good guard, if not a really good tackle. Mm -hmm. So he's someone I really like. Um, Nick Bolton is another one. I really like watching him play. He is my brand of linebacker. He just runs up and he just hits you. He's got range. He's not afraid. He reminds me when I watched Kevin Byard in college at Middle Tennessee State. And when they played Alabama, he just came up and popped Derrick Henry over and over again. That's what Bolton did to Najee Harris. He just popped him again and again and again. He was getting the better of Najee Harris. And I was really sad to see he did not test well at his pro day. And that that really you know, was a disappointment. That took him from like a mid-first to an early second for me because I did have a little bit of questions with his coverage ability and that less than great testing kind of reaffirmed those questions I had. So that was a real disappointment, but I still love watching him play. That is honestly my biggest issue with him for the Broncos, because I think the Broncos, if they're taking a linebacker, they're looking at coverage. Like that's what they want. And I do think that that was like something on his tape that I had questions about is I think he's, he's able to be a spot dropping guy. Like I think he could be a guy who can play like the hole. But I don't necessarily, you don't want him manning up on a tight end. Like, I don't think that that, like, cause he's a little bit short. He's not really fast. He plays fast. I think his play speed is really good. And that's one of those things that like, I knew, like, I, and I think you knew this too. Like he wasn't ever going to be like, he, he wasn't going to be Micah Parsons. He wasn't going to be a four, three guy regardless. I do think his workouts were a little bit disappointing based on like what I was hoping for, but I wasn't like really, really shocked that they were disappointing. Um, because he's a tape over traits guy. And those guys, a lot of those guys still make it in the league. Like I, I feel very confident Nick Bolton will be in the NFL for the next like five to 10 years. I don't necessarily know if he's going to be a star. Yeah. I think he's going to be a great run defender. I do too. I think he'll be the guy who can be like that gritty. He can be a captain of a defense. He's going to be that guy people rally around, but he's going to be exposed. There are times you're going to have to take him off the field and put a safety in there. And, and you, can't, you can't have that with a first-round guy. No. Then that's what I was going to say. That's my concern with him like up in the top of the draft is I do think that you're going to have to try and game plan around his limitations. One more I want to mention who I'm really high on. Uh, that's Aziz Ojolari. Thank you. I love him. Oh, he's one of my favorites. He He's in my top ten. He was my edge one until I jumped into Jalen Phillips' film. And, you know, which is just objectively better, mm -hmm. but he doesn't have the injury questions. Yep. So I think he's a great athlete. I think he's versatile. The way he takes on blocks for a guy who's 240 pounds, he blows them up. Like, oh, who's that big guard from Alabama? Uh, Deontay Brown? Yeah. Is that the yep. name I'm looking for? He blew him up and he's 365 pounds. Yep. Just popped him, stopped him in his tracks. I loved that. I've, so he's a great athlete, great pass rusher, and stronger than you think of 240. Ojolari is actually still my edge one because, I again, I, I try to keep in mind the medical stuff um, as much as I know. And I do have just – I, I, like, I don't think any sort of test is going to make me feel better about Jalen Phillips with the concussions. And, again, that's not his fault. I just I, – I, I can't rationalize taking Jalen Phillips at nine. I know that, like, Brett Coleman, uh, he's a YouTube guy. 
said that like, oh, the Broncos should take him at nine. Like I, I have problems with that just because the medical stuff. Because I do think like you have to be able to defend a pick if you're taking a guy that high. And if you take Jalen Phillips at nine, he ends up having to retire because of concussions. You took a guy that you knew had concussions and then you retire because of concussions. Like it just looks stupid. Um, mm-hmm. So like, that's like where I'm at. And again, I'm not saying that he's going to actually, he might end up being the best edge rusher from this class without it being close. Like that's how good he is on tape. I just have those questions. But Ojulari for me, for the Broncos defense, he fits into that same role as like a Malik Reed or Von Miller does where he's a little bit undersized, but on the, on the backside, like the weak side outside backer for the Fangio defense, like he's willing to take a little bit smaller guy because that guy has to be able to drop in coverage. And I think Ojulari can do that. But then Ojulari also, he has a nice cross chop move. He has pretty good ankle bend. I would say he has like an A minus ankle bend. I wouldn't say it's, he, he's not, he's not Von Miller. And again, like that's, that's not a fair comparison to anybody, but like, Von Miller is an S level ankle. Bend. Um, but I think Ojolari has pretty good ankle bend. Uh, like you said, he's very strong at the point of attack. Uh, and I think the big questions with him is he does need to add more pass rush moves. But the thing is, he's 20 years old, like get him in the league, get him in with a coaching staff that knows how to teach a guy pass rush moves. And he could be really, really, really good. Yeah. I really like Ojolari, but you're right. He's not an elite bender. He's in my top 10 and that's a, testament to how much I like him and that I don't love this class overall. Yeah. I, it, it's both at the same time. Uh, one guy I I'm, I've come around on him quite a bit. Uh, I really, really like Tevin Jenkins. Uh, if the Broncos are going after a right tackle in the first round, he's the guy I kind of hope they do. I like, I like the idea of Jalen Mayfield, but I haven't watched his tape enough. I've watched some of it, but not all of it yet. So I'm, I'm still kind of like on the fence with him, but Tevin Jenkins, like some have seen him as a guard, but like for the Broncos offensive, like for the way they, they run block, he can go down as a down blocker and just wipe someone out and help on a pin and pull. I like his strength. I like his tenacity. I think he, he would bring an element to the running game that the Broncos currently don't have. And I think he's a passable blocker. I think he's good enough. I know, I really want to love Tevin Jenkins because he's my style of player for those yeah. reasons you mentioned. He's a mauler. He's yeah, he nasty. Is. I like that. Beat the crap out of someone. That's what I love watching in the trenches. He's fun. He yeah. he took Joseph Osai, who's a guy I have on my radar for the Bucks, and he just took him twenty yards downfield. And Osai is a good athlete, so he's someone I just love the things he does well. It's my style. It's my brand. I wish he was a little bit better in the things like past. Like I wish his feet yeah. were a little bit better. Same. Like that's, when I watch his kick slide, he's a little clunky. And that's why people have him as a guard. There's some people have him as a guard is because of concerns about that. And I don't, I'm not one of those people. I don't view him as a guard. I like him as a tackle, but I think he's going to be a guy who's always a little bit vulnerable in pass pro. I think he's a starter. I think he's going to be a really quality run blocker, but I don't think he's that guy. I just love, especially in a really good offensive tackle class. I feel that. I definitely understand that. I just, I, he's one of those guys that I think, and again, the, looking at the Broncos, Graham Glasgow and Jawan James are both on the roster this year. The Broncos could theoretically move on from Jawan James after this year and after from Graham Glasgow in two years. So if Tevin Jenkins can't make it at right tackle, I think he would be, end up being a very, very good guard. So I just think like I, he's one of those guys I would stay on the table for and say, he's not going to fail. I think he's going to be able to play in the league. It's just a matter of where he's going to play in the league. Yeah, I think he'll be a starter for a long time in this league. I think he's that guy who 
oh, he made a Pro Bowl this year. Cool, he's deserved a Pro Bowl. He's a good player, but he's never going to be that consistent Pro Bowl guy. That's fair. Uh, if the Broncos aren't chasing a quarterback, what do you think they're going to do in the draft? I think there's a lot. I don't think they're pressured to do anything specifically. I think they could, if the top corners are still there, if you want to take Patrick Sertain, I think that'd be a great pick. You know, again, don't let a good player prevent you from getting a great player. Make that an elite unit and go from there. I think Von Miller's getting older. Mm -hmm. I think you could probably use another pass rusher. The strength of this class doesn't really lead itself to the Broncos' needs. No, and that's – I I strongly believe that if it was me, if I'm not going after a quarterback, and I would be going after a quarterback, so that's you know a whole thing. But, but if I was not going after a quarterback, I would be trying very hard to try and move down because I don't think this class lines up very well with what the Broncos really need at nine without being a little bit of a reach. And granted, like if you can't move down, just take the guy. Like It is what it is. Take the guy you want. But if you can get down even a little bit and you get like another top 100 pick for it, I would, if, if that's how bad the trade market down is, I would still consider that because I do think the strength of this class is in the second day because there's enough guys that have risks that they're not going to be top guys, but they're still going to be talented players. And then that you add to the fact, and we've talked about this before, but the fact that there's so many opt-out players, many of those guys, if they had stayed in college, they would probably be quasi first round players, but because they didn't like Paulson Nadebo is one that comes to my mind. He's like a perfect fit for the Fangio defense, but he opted out after a, a, a pretty shaky 2019. So he's probably going to be a third to fifth round guy. I would take that guy in the third round. Cause I think he just deemed fit. Yeah. I, I would love to see some of these players who sat out like Jay Tufele. I think he'd be the best defensive tackle in this class this year. And he's my defensive tackle one, even with Christian Barmore, he's just a little too inconsistent for me, but I, that's a guy I'd love to see the Broncos pick up if they trade back. I'd love to see them address the trenches. Me too. Um, one guy who sat out this year is Rashawn Slater. Yep. And he's a guy I like who could go at number nine. He could be a fit okay. there. You look long-term for right tackle. He'd be a great addition. If you want to move him inside temporarily, you know, I don't know where you're at with Glasgow and your guard situation, but he is a guy who could play inside. Yep. Same with Elijah Vera Tucker, who that might be a little bit high for him, but it's not something I would be – outraged over if he went that high what other teams outside of the top nine do you see as like real prime qb chasers because again i wrote about it but i want to see what you think i think the patriots are going after a quarterback um if they can get up who else stands out to you washington i think they could be looking long-term because fitz even if you roll with him as a starter this year, he's not the long-term answer. Yep. Um, Chicago, even though they signed Andy Dalton for, what, $10 million? Mm -hmm. He's not very good, so <laughs> they're a quarterback away from mattering. Mm -hmm. uh, who else? I think, I think a lot of the, the bottom of the draft teams, who with the older quarterbacks, the Pittsburghs, they could be looking – in that direction, even Tampa Bay, but 
I go I back. So necessarily. I go back and forth on Pittsburgh because I think they should try and go get a quarterback. But I think what they're gonna do is try and take a a, a very immediate help guy. So they'll probably take like a running back or a linebacker because in theory it'll help Ben Roethlisberger's retirement tour. I think they're gonna do that. I hope they don't, or I hope they do do that. It's not what I would do. Is how I would like I would go after a replacement because this is your chance. Like you're. But, mm-hmm. And honestly, I think it depends on what quarterbacks are available. Yeah. If you tell me Mac Jones is starting to slide, I don't think Pittsburgh should move up for him. I mean, but I, do, I think but that's because I hate Pittsburgh. But if you tell me Trey Lance is starting to slide, I'll give you five first round picks for the Bucks to move up to get him. Like, it just depends on who's there and what situation you're going into. Can you imagine Brady trying having to play mentor for a rookie quarterback? That'd be so, oh man, that'd be great. I think it just because like, you I never think, know if Brady's ever going to retire. I think Trey Lance could play out his entire rookie contract and never see the field. But eventually, I mean, just watching him go through progressions, the way you you kind of pick things up, you know, the little things in the locker room, those leadership things. I think just being around him, being in that locker room, even if he doesn't take that mentor role, because I, when's the last time Brady was threatened in terms of his starting job? Drew Bledsoe was the quarterback. Yeah. I mean, I think the closest the closest to that was basically when he basically forced Jimmy Garoppolo to be traded. Uh, he basically was like, you got to trade him. And they had the same agent, if I remember correctly. Uh, right. So you have no idea what Brady would look like as like a mentor to that young guy. Yeah. But just being in the room with him, watching him, picking up those things, knowing, hey, you're the future. Brady's the now. And everyone understands that. I think that'd be really valuable. I got to I got to So if the Broncos after free agency, assuming like, let's assume they didn't add anything else. Drew Locke is the quarterback. How many wins do you think they have? Uh, let me pull up the schedule real quick. Yeah. Because the Broncos were a team that I really liked as a playoff they, team last year. They have, uh, I want to say that they have the AFC North and the NFC East this year. And then if the schedule moves to 17 games and everybody knows it's probably going to, Denver picks up Detroit. So that's like an auto win. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're going to be one of the worst teams in football this year. Yeah, I'd be surprised okay. by that. So I think this is the schedule. It hasn't been officially released yet, so I'm not 100% yep. sure. Yep. No, it hasn't been officially released yet, but I know that they're, I know they're opponents. I don't know. So we'll start in division. You got San Diego, Oakland, or Las Vegas now, and Kansas City. I think you're getting swept by Kansas City, so that's two losses. Mm-hmm. I think you'll probably sweep Oakland. So I think, I'll take you probably go three and three in division okay. because I really like what San Diego's starting to build. I do too. I can't use no, it's okay. I, I do that too. I do that when I write sometimes. Sometimes I'll write the beginning of San Diego and then I'll have to change it just because like, it's easier to forget and they still don't have any fans. Right. But I really like what they're building there in Los Angeles. Justin Herbert's going to be really talented. They've got weapons out there. I'd like to think they're going to keep revamping the offensive line. I know they just signed uh, the center from the Packers and he's really good. Mm-hmm. So I think you'll probably drop one, even though I think you're a better team than both Las Vegas and LA. I think you'll probably drop one of those games. Okay. Just division games are always competitive. It is. 
So three and three in division. Uh, you said the AFC North. Uh, yep, AFC North and the NFC East. And then I I want to say they pick up a game against Jacksonville, but I'm I don't have it up either. So let me pull it up. Okay. So, and you said NFC East. I know they have the NFC East. I know that they have the AFC North. I think they'll go a minimum of two and two, if not three and one, in the NFC East. Because, like I said, I think the Giants got better. I think the Washington Football Team got better. Mm-hmm. Dallas is getting Dak Prescott back, so their offense will be better. I don't know about their defense. That's still looking pretty questionable. But I think those are three solid teams right there. And I think Denver's probably better than all of them. At least I like them. But I think they'll probably drop at least one of those. So I think three and one, if not two and two in the East. Okay. So let's go. Let's go with two and two. Just to be conservative. Um, okay. So that would put them at five and five. And then I've looked. Uh, they have the New York Jets, the Jacksonville Jaguars, mm-hmm. and then, uh, like I said, if they if they do the seventeen games, it'll be Detroit. I've looked that up. Okay, so let's count all of those as wins because cool. those teams are bad. even with the Jets adding and them being one of my big offseason winners. I think Denver's a better team. They're not there yet. A year from now, we'll have a different conversation, but right now, they're still not there. So then that would put them at eight and five. And then you have the AFC North. Mm-hmm. I think at best, you're two and two. Yeah. Because Baltimore, even though they fizzled out in the playoffs, they got, they got that Lamar Jackson playoff win, so everyone can sleep well at night knowing that Lamar Jackson can win the postseason. But they still really haven't done anything in the postseason. But either way, they're still a good team. You know they're going to be there. So, Cleveland, I, I like what they've done this offseason. Mm-hmm. I like their identity. I like most of their roster. I think that's going to be a really tough game. So I think you'll probably lose those two. I think you'll definitely win Cincinnati. Pittsburgh, I think you'll probably win as well because they're trending down. Now, they lost a lot of their offensive line. Big Ben's another year older. He's not very good. I just don't see it with Pittsburgh. Even though they started 13-0, I don't see it. So you think the Broncos could push 10 wins with Drew Locke at quarterback? I think so. I like that roster. I like the weapons around him. I like what you're building with the offensive line. I like a lot of the defense. Now, I really want to see what happens in the draft. Yeah, definitely. You know, rosters are not finalized yet, obviously. But I think they can. Like I said, I thought they were a playoff team last year before all the injuries. 